welcome to Cancer Conversations. I'm your host, Erica Matthews. I am a wife, mom, and wellness coach. I understand the trauma of getting a cancer diagnosis and the intense battle a person instantly steps into. This podcast is all about learning how to overcome adversity and how activating faith plays a key role in the outcomes we want to have. Each week, I will be bringing you education and inspiration, as well as interviews with other fellow warriors. Get ready to be empowered in your faith, mindset, and your health. Now, let's get into today's episode. All right. Well, I am so excited for this episode. I am bringing on one of my friends, and she is such a prayer warrior and so much more. So before we get into the episode, I'm going to introduce her. Her name is Christina Baker, and she creates content on social media to encourage, strengthen, and teach people about the power of prayer and hope that is found in Jesus. And many years ago, she was transformed and changed by the miraculous power and love of God after a life of homelessness and drugs. She had nowhere to turn in a group of intercessors at her job led her to the Lord and began to teach her how to pray. From that moment forward, she's made it her life's mission to share the gospel and the power of God that is found in Jesus Christ. She's passionate about helping people connect with God through the power of prayer, and in her day-to-day life, she lives near Austin, Texas, and spends her time as a wife to her husband, Ryan, and a mama to her son, Evan. So, Christina, welcome to the show. So excited to be here, Erica. I always love our time together. Oh, me too. Well, I just want to share for a moment on how you and I met. So, you and I met on Instagram, and I am not even sure who shared your Instagram with me, but I was so drawn to you because you would create these 30 second videos and it was, it was so powerful and anointed and you'd always start out and, and the, the music was anointed, but you'd always start out with, Hey, wait, let me pray for you. And everything you prayed was exactly what I needed at that moment. And when I met you three years ago, I had, um, you know, newly diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, and I did not know if I was going to make it. And so you, your prayers every day, like I lived for them. And I remember commenting on, on one of your videos that you made and you reached out to me and you, you said, you're praying for me. And then we, we began to have prayer meetings on the phone and I couldn't believe that you would take your time and do that. But we realized soon we had like this amazing connection because we both love the Lord. We both love to pray and you know my you're our audience is going to hear in a little bit about how much you've overcome but we soon learned we had similarities and so that is how you and I got connected but you're so special to me Christina and um just I'm forever grateful for you so there's I'm that so thankful for you Erica I'm just so thankful the lord he has I don't know how he does it but he does it he just he knows how to connect us at the right place, at the right time, with the right people. And it's like Proverbs 3 says, uh, 
to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. And I feel like you were an answer to that prayer in my life that I pray constantly just God direct my path because when he directs our path, he also puts the people in our path that need to be there. So it's just such a powerful prayer to pray over our lives. Like God direct my path. And, uh, and you were a part of that. And I'll never forget. I'll, I'll never forget that too. It was just so it was God ordained, you know, you just, it was just a God ordained moment and a God ordained friendship. And I feel like in the last, I don't know, it's been, I feel like over three years, like there's just been so many, uh, mountains and valleys and everything in between that we've gotten to like war together and see the Lord's goodness and, and just all the things that happen in life. It's been a privilege for me and an honor to know you. Oh, same, same. Well, I would love for you to take us back to, you know, kind of how a little bit of your story of how you found the Lord. Cause I know it wasn't always like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a home where uh, my mom was Catholic. My dad, an atheist, you know, really didn't believe anything. So probably more agnostic materially on the outside. We had everything. My dad came from a family that uh, was very well to do. And my dad was educated in Switzerland, met my mom here actually in Texas. Uh, we live in Austin, but kind of off and on was, have always kind of gone back to Houston, but he was in the oil field and, um, met my mom who was from Paraguay and like growing up on the outside, everything looked great, but on the inside, like my dad had a bad cocaine problem, drinking problem, and consequently made him very abusive, especially when he was high or drunk uh, towards my mom. And that spilled out over the, you know, over the kids, I have three brothers. And so by the age of eight, my parents divorced and my mom uh, remarried a man who was from Bolivia. So we actually moved to Florida for some time and then ended up in La Paz, Bolivia, which I had never been to. I'd been to Paraguay because this is where my mom's from. And around 14 years old, I mean, we had been there for a few years, but 14 years old was like everything that I had gone through as a child was like now coming to the surface. So I was sexually abused uh, by a family member and not a direct family member, but also just like, I think the divorce, my parents' divorce, there's just like so many things that like everything started to bubble over when I turned 14. So I turned to like self-harm. I got into like Marilyn Manson. I don't know if you remember him but just into the goth scene. And I was really drawn to the darkness. I was drawn to just the death metal. And I feel like it was a reflection and an outlet of what I was experiencing on the inside. And so I started, you know, cutting myself and cutting my arms and legs. I would, you know, it'd be like a hundred degrees and I would wear long sleeve shirts and pants uh, to cover that up. And I was, I felt so dead inside Erica that I, I, I believe the, the reason why I would cut myself was to remind myself as morbid as it sounds, but it's, you know, the truth, I would remind myself that I was still alive 
And so by the age of 15, I was, you know, going out to the bars and, uh, you know, there's like no drinking age in Bolivia. So, you know, started dabbling with a little bit here and there. And you know how it is. You just, there's like gateway thing, you know, like there's the weed and then there's the drinking. And then that just opens the door to other, other things, other drugs. And obviously, you know, there's just a whole world that comes with that, that when you first come into it, you just, you don't, you don't know. So I came home one night and uh, I'd come home from a party and my stepdad was at the foot of the stairs and, you know, I tried to go up to my room and right before he pushed me down the steps, he's like, you know, you're not worth it. Like he was, I mean, he was just, and this isn't something that was like a new thing. There was a lot of abuse in the home. He was, he had a pretty heavy hand with us. And my mom looked at me and he's like, it's, she's got to go. And my mom was like, Christina, you've got to go. And I think at this point, my mom was protecting me Mm. from what she knew was going to happen. And so I was put on a one-way ticket from Santa Cruz, Bolivia to Maui, Hawaii. And I hadn't seen my dad in almost 10 years. So I show up to the Kahului airport in Maui. And I sat there for about six hours just waiting for my dad to show up. And I had like a guitar a duffel bag with my entire life in it and uh, my guitar. Cause I was, I was a lead singer of a punk band and I had the, like these black rings around my eyes just to kind of give you a visual, you know, the black spikes. I mean, I was just expressing what was on the inside, which was just, to me, it was black. Like I felt black on the inside. I felt dark on the inside. And so it was the way it was just my self-expression, you know, mm-hmm. And uh, my dad shows up at the airport and he's like, Christina. And I'm like, we recognize each other. And he says, come on, let's go. We get into his pickup truck. And he's like, this is really crazy that you're here. And he's like, like, I need to tell you something. I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm homeless and I'm living in a tent on the beach. And I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, like I shared with you earlier, we always had an abundance materially. I mean, we came from you know, in Bolivia from living in a very well-to-do home and all of those things. I'd I'd never had, we'd never lacked anything materially. And so this was kind of like, okay, so does that mean I'm, I'm homeless too? And so we show up at a place called Thousand Peaks Beach and there were like tents everywhere. And I just remember like this thought of like, it was like a curtain was ripped open for me that day. And that you know, just reflecting on it now, looking back then, it was like, okay, welcome to the real world. So interestingly enough, I knew that the Lord, even though I didn't know the Lord or he didn't know the Lord at the time, I knew that that was like a point of connection that would take many, many years before God would use that moment. But I was, we were homeless there in, it was called Lahaina and Maui. I ended up coming back to the mainland and parent, my, my family couldn't deal with me. So I went from, went to Pennsylvania where my brother was going to college. And I went from, you know, they, I was just going from home to home before I got to Pennsylvania. Cause everybody was like, we don't know how to deal with a rebellious teen. So my brother goes to his basketball coach and he's like, my sister's living in a motel. She's an atheist. I think she's on drugs. And this couple stands up and says, this is at the church staff meeting. And they're like, we'll take her in. And they're like, no, really, like, this is the situation. And 
This is Mr. and Mrs. Hess. I came to their house a week before 9-11 and she opens the door and she says, welcome to our home. And we sit down on the couch and she says, we just have two rules here. First year curfew is 11. And the second one is you have to go to church with us every Sunday. And I'm like looking around the room. I'm like, like, I'm in, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm an atheist. I don't go to church. And she's like, you know, you're, you're free to stay. You're free to go. And I'm like, okay. I ended up staying with them for a few years, but as soon as I left their house, I just went back into just the world of drugs and, and it progressively got worse and worse. I just started following in my dad's footsteps very quickly. So rubber meets the road moment. I mean, of course with the Lord, there's so many things that happen as you know, Erica, but the rubber meets the road moment for me was I got arrested for drug possession and was out on bail. I'm sitting at my at my desk in my cubicle and I'm contemplating like I had battled suicide before but like I was actually like I was actually like contemplating okay this is how many pills I'm going to take tonight like I was contemplating how to take my life wow. and I get a tap on the shoulder and it's I knew he was a Christian his name was Hillroy and he says hey Christina I mean he just cuts to the chase he says we have prayer meetings every day on the third floor at noon and I have a word from the Lord for you and I'm like, a word from the Lord. I didn't grow up in church. So I'm like, I don't even know what all this, I don't know what all this means. But how, one thing I remember thinking was like, how could this man have known what I was just contemplating and thinking? Like, there's no way. And that's what drew me in. Wow. That's what drew me in. And that's the power of a prophetic word from God is that people don't know, but God does know. And he uses people to deliver messages and words from him, his heart sometimes to save our very life. So I walk into this break room and I mean, I was a little scared because this was a little, I'd never seen this before. I'd grown up in South America. I had seen the rosaries. I'd seen the Catholic churches, like, but I had never seen this before. And so these people were like pacing the floor praying. And I remember having this thought, if there is a God, these people have come face to face with him. Wow. And I, I was so overcome. How old were you at the time? I was 24. Okay. I was 24 years old. It's October, or I'm sorry, September of uh, 2009. And so, because I got arrested September 2nd, this was like shortly after that. And I'm standing. And so all of a sudden they're like putting their hands on me, which I thought was very strange. I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening in here? And they're praying and... Hilroy walks up to me with his Bible open and he starts reading to me out of Jeremiah 29 and 11, which we've all heard that scripture, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, not to do you harm, but to give you a hope in a future, which I don't know what any of this means. But when he says this to me, he says, this is a matter of life or death. I immediately have this thought, which I know was a vision from, from in my spirit. And I saw myself dying in a car accident. And I knew that that's what was next for me. I just like knew it. And I don't know how I knew it. I just knew this is what's next. And it was like, somebody was like throwing me my last life preserver before this event. And he says, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? And I just said, yes. Like, I don't, I don't know who you are, but save me, save my life, save my baby. My son was just months old, probably nine months old at the time. Mm. And all of a sudden I feel this like filling throughout my entire body. 
And I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now, but it was, it was like this peace came and just sat on me and sat on my shoulders that I had never experienced before. And I'm like, I'm sober, but yet I'm experiencing this peace. Cause like, I mean, that's why I love doing drugs. I love to get high because it was something, it would take me away from the pain. It would take me away from the things that I would experience on a day-to-day minute-to-minute basis. And it was like now this, this, like the boulders I had been carrying around for 20 plus years of my life, somebody just picked it up and took it away. And I was overcome. I was, I was just completely overcome with this. And I walked out of that, walked in the break room one way. And I walked out of that break room, a completely different person. And I've, you know, you, you've heard this, you've probably experienced this too, Erica, when, when we become born again, you know, the Lord doesn't say to be born again. He doesn't just use uh, baseless analogies. I mean, he, he, there's a reason why it says to be born again. We literally come through the birth canal in the realm of the spirit when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus. And that's what happened to me in that, in that break room. I came through the birth canal and I experienced life for the first time. I met our savior, even though I didn't know him, I met him and I walk out of this place and it's like the fluorescent lights in the office were brighter. I walked outside, the grass was greener, the sky was bluer. It was like colors I had never seen before. Now I'm all of a sudden, I see like, I didn't know the sky could be this blue. I'd never seen this before. And so that is how I came to know the Lord. And, you know, I got saved in a, in an, in a break room with a bunch of wild inter- intercessors, people that, um, I didn't even go to church. I mean, that was my church. I didn't go to start going to church until like much later. That was my church. My church was all of these people gathered in a break room passionately praying, seeking the heart and the face of God. And that's all I knew church to be. It was like, oh, when we come together and we seek the face of Jesus, we're having church together. We're meeting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Of course, I didn't know all these things then, but I was like, this is supernatural. So all of a sudden, you know, my addiction to drugs, which in in three months I got delivered from all of the drugs, the drinking, the lifestyle. And I just got, I, 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 there was a holy addiction to the presence of God that came over me and, and, and just, it it has increased over the last, you know, since that moment. So it's, it's not something like you hear people say, oftentimes they're like, yeah, you know, that zeal, it'll burn off or the fire, you know, the ember will just begin to quiet down a little bit. In fact, for me, it's been the opposite. You know, I went from that burning ember to this roaring flame on the inside of my heart. Where it was just the my desires became completely different and just single focused on just gazing, gazing in his eyes and not. I wanted to live the rest of my days for him, telling people what he had done for me. So that's just kind of like a part one. Of course, I had the court case and other things like that, but that's how I met the Lord. Wow, 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 wow! I feel like it's like that scripture in Psalm thirty four that says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." And I I know for for myself too, it's like. I have tasted and there's no comparison. I mean, of the goodness of God and, and, you know, he's the only one that satisfies and so many people they're, they're searching for satisfaction outside of, you know, Jesus. And it's, it's truly found in him. And so I love that. And I, I I think you and I are a lot alike, just like that all or nothing. Oh yes. Go big or go home. Like, (laughs) yeah. Oh yes. 
give me the more of the Lord every single day. So I love that. Well, that's so powerful, your story, your testimony. And um, of course it's, you know, I love that he gave you that scripture for, I know that the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And so you didn't know, you know, fast forward all this that was going to take place in your life. So, well, I know you're no stranger to trials. Um, so let take us into maybe a, a season of struggle and pain and kind of how you walked out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and you're right about that. I think, I think as a believer, we are no stranger to trials because the scriptures tell us that many are the afflictions of the righteous. One of my, actually one of my favorite scriptures, because it's been an anchor, it's been an anchor for my soul to remind myself that in fact, when we come to walk with the Lord, he, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, I love this because it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, many, but the Lord delivers us from them all, all, all. Oh. So we just hang out there all. Yep. So, <laughs> so that's, that's the faith that we can have in him, that he's given us a promise that there is deliverance from trials and there's deliverance from adversity and there's deliverance when the enemy hits us with a left hook and we weren't expecting it. You know, shortly after that, the Lord takes me into the season, which, you know, uh, we can get into another time, but I get this court case dismissed where the Lord gives me this like clean slate like fresh start to be able to live my life and raise my son. And just like the, it was a woman at the well moment where I should have gone to jail and the Lord just wiped my slate clean and dismissed my entire case. So here my heart is set on fire. I'm just, you know, Erica, how it is. You're just this burning flame. And, uh, the only thing you want to do is tell people about Jesus. You want to tell people about what he's done for you. Cause what he does for one, he'll do for all, right? What he does for one, he'll do for all. Maybe somebody's listening to that right now. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, well, maybe, maybe God's done that for you, but I'm not really sure if he'll do that for me. I, I, I want to tell you today that the Lord is not a respecter of persons, but he, he sure is a respecter of faith. Yes. And, uh, and when he sees, I believe that our faith moves the heart of God, it moves the compassion of the Lord. And, uh, I just want to pray that even just over, yeah, just, I, I just feel like there's, there's someone listening right now that just needs that impartation of faith. So before we yeah. even get that started, father, I ask yes. you today, I lift up every person that is listening to our, to us speak today, to speak about you, Lord, and the things that you've done, your mighty works. Mm. Father, we ask you in Jesus name that you would Lord impart great faith mm. into your people. God, where there's been unbelief, we thank you for coming to break the chain of unbelief. Yes. And Lord, we thank you that what you do for one, you do for all. So we ask right now, Lord, that you would just blow a trumpet in their lives right now, that you would prophesy hope and faith and Lord restoration and redemption through every season that they've had to walk through, I just pray right now that their eyes would be fixed on you to believe you for the impossible. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who makes the sun stand still for those whom you are in covenant with. And I pray today, Lord, that whatever situation it is that they're believing for right now, God, would you make the sun stand still? Would you do the impossible and level every mountain and giant that stands in front of them? 
God, we thank you that you will always, God, we pray that you would get the glory for what you're about to do in their life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Yeah. So about a year passes and I was actually diagnosed with a brain tumor a few months after I had had my son, Evan. And just as I had always done, I was always a runner. I ran from pain. I ran from any conflict. Like if there was pain, I was grabbing my running shoes and running the opposite direction. So I took off, actually went to Bolivia for a year and where my mom was living, just like brain tumor, like what's a brain tumor? Like completely acted like it didn't exist. And so here this entire time, I have a brain tumor for two years, didn't do anything about it until I was working at this university. And I had a few students come in that had uh, worked for MD Anderson Cancer Center. And it was like in a day, three different students came in. And that's how the Lord speaks to us sometimes, like you'll see a pattern. And the Lord is always speaking, you know, but here these three students come in and I'm like, I think the Lord is telling me I need to go get a scan. And I did. And immediately my doctor, MD Anderson was like, hey, this isn't a question of if it needs to come out. It's like, when? And when I come back from vacation, like next week, this thing's coming out. I didn't even have time to prepare to run. It was just like, this is happening right now. And it's interesting, Erica, because one of the things that encouraged me so much during that time was I had Hilroy, who has, he's been in our life since I gave my life to the Lord. He's been a spiritual father to us. And when I was facing this trial with the brain tumor, he came to me, he said this, he said, Christina, sometimes it's not about, cause I'm like, I don't know why I'm going through you know, just really young in the Lord. I'm like, I don't know why something else. Like I've just literally been, I've been fighting for my life all my life. And I just came out of like the fight for my life, you know, like a month ago, like it was just like, why is this happening? He looked at me and he said, Christina, sometimes it's not even about you. It's about what God is doing through you and those that are spectating. And that like did not make sense to me, nor did it make me feel better at the time really. So he gives me the scripture of, the, there was a man who would come once, like once a year, the angel would come to like turn the waters and whoever got in there first would get their healing. And he gives me the scripture. And then he also gives me the scripture. There was a man who was sick and the disciples were like asking him, well, who, who is sin? Like, has he sinned? Is it his family? And the Lord Jesus looks at them and he's like, it's not about sin. This is about the glory of God. And then the man gets healed and then it brings so much glory to the Lord. And I took it to heart. I was like, oh, okay. But I still didn't understand. So I go through brain surgery. Now, mind you, my dad was the number one person persecuting me for my faith when I became a believer. And it was very painful because it was like, oh my gosh, like I'm trying now I'm like trying to live my life, not hurting people, you know, the way I, I used to live, like, and how is it that like my parents or my dad specifically is like rejecting this? And so my dad shows up at MD Anderson at 530 in the morning, right before I'm going up for surgery. And we get on the elevator and I had just met my husband, Ryan. He was my boyfriend at the time. And we get on the elevator and he says, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, okay. And he says, last night I was sitting in my apartment and I just was just thinking about all this, how you've just changed your life around. And a lot of times after these things happen, they just, they pass away. 
and I'm, I'm trying to understand what his logic is in this. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And he says, I told God that if he brought you through the surgery that I would serve him. And I gave my life to Jesus last night. Wow. And I'm sitting, this is like the last news that I get before I'm going into the operating room. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like here, I had been praying for my dad for a couple of years now, or like a year and a half. And now just this gift that I have before I go into surgery that my dad's given his life to the Lord. Come out of the surgery, Erica. It was a pretty large, it was about a, the, the base of the tumor was four inches. It was growing from the dura of the brain into the brain. And so I come out of surgery. Now my mom had also, it was a very rocky relationship with her. But she, when I came out of the hospital, she said, I want to take care of Christina. And so I go to her house and just a very long story short, just her watching what the Lord had done in my life, just over the next 10 days of me being there, she gives her life to the Lord. And that's how both of my parents came to the Lord was through that brain surgery. So I share all this to say, because a lot of times what happens is we go into these valleys, we go into these seasons where it's like the lights are out. We can't see. Sometimes it's even just like, God, I don't know what you're saying, but in the midst of this season, God was actually using this trial to bring my parents to the Lord. I had told the Lord, God, use me. And the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to use you. And sometimes you being used by God, isn't this like glamorous, like, in fact, when we read the scriptures, like none of it's glamorous. Like, I don't, I don't see anything in scripture of like the life of the apostles in the book of Acts. And even throughout the gospels where you see this like glamorous lifestyle. In fact, I see like, especially in the book of Acts, you see where people, they were laying their lives down for the gospel. They were laying their lives down for the Lord Jesus. And so here, both of my parents come to the Lord through this very difficult moment in my life where I'm like, I have a small child. I'm asking you, Lord, to extend my life so that I can raise this child. And I didn't know if I was going to be given that. But I, I had this thing in my, there was something in my heart of like, God, you brought me through all the drugs. You brought me through all this. There was something on the inside of me where I was like, like, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you're going to do something. And I know you can, you and I, like, we've talked about this a lot, Erica, because we're like, God, I know, like, I know you're going to do something. And so I always look back on that season, you know, in the old Testament, they would build altars to the Lord, like Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shama, the Lord who is there. And they would build these altars made out of stones to remember God in that moment, how he revealed himself to Israel. And for me, that moment was like Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who has healed me, the Lord who heals me. And it was an altar where the Lord would have me look back on for the rest of my life of like, do you remember what I did there? Do you mm. remember what I did there? Do, do you remember seeing me in that moment? And it's just something that you never, you never get over those moments. You, you never get over that. Never. You never get over seeing God in his glory, moving in a situation that was seemingly impossible to man. And so when we talk about not being strangers to trials, you're no stranger to trial trials either, Erica, you're my goodness. I mean, the book is coming, right? I mean, there's just <laughs> so many things the Lord is, has done in your life that you are now testifying of and will continue to testify of. And the trials that we go through 
it's not a cliche thing. Like there is purpose connected to our pain. Yes. There is purpose where God is doing something deep on the inside of us that without that, like, I don't even want to think about the horrific person that I would be today without all of the things that I've walked through with the Lord. I, I don't even want to think about that because the things that I was doing and the life I was living before I met Jesus, I can only imagine if I was still alive or not in prison, what that would be like today. Like the trials are here, are given to us. And like you said earlier, they are an invitation from the Lord, mm-hmm. be it a diagnosis, be it a child or a husband or a wife or a friend or somebody that's walked away from God that is living a lifestyle, whatever that, because we're all facing stuff right now, all of us, every single one of us listening yep. right now, we're all facing something that if God doesn't come through for us, the curtain yep. closes and exactly. that's it. Yep. But the reality of it is, is that that's what, that's what life, this life is, I wouldn't say is what life is about, but it's a part of this life. Mm-hmm. A part of this life is walking through things with the Lord and seeing him for who he is and him revealing facets of his heart that we had never seen before. So mm-hmm. I, I love to share the fact that even though I didn't understand what God was doing in the midst of that, you know, being in a place where I'm like, okay, I'm in my twenties, I've got this brain tumor. You're not, this type of tumor is not really seen in people until they're in their fifties or sixties, like all the odds against you but God, right? But God, let's pause from this episode because I want to share about my wellness strategy sessions. If you didn't know I offer this, then definitely listen in. I created these sessions because I did not know someone who had the knowledge that I wanted, someone who had been down a similar path as me, and someone who would provide the prayer support that I was looking for when I got diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer. Basically, I wanted someone who would help shortcut my journey. So in our sessions, we will take a deep dive into your current wellness plan, your lifestyle, and your protocol. We will develop a vision for optimal health. We will teach you how to stop living in fear and start feeling confident in your journey because fear plays a huge part and not a good part. We will also teach you how to uncover beliefs, blocks, and behaviors that prevent you from living the life that you desire. So here's a couple questions to ask yourself. Do you actually believe that emotional healing can help you receive your physical healing? Ask yourself if you struggle to feel confident that you're doing the right things to actually achieve wellness. And do you desire someone in your corner who can encourage, guide, and share their knowledge and experience with you? Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions, then we definitely need to chat. Please inquire at hello at ericamatthews.co. All right, let's get back into the episode. Right. I, I know my, my doctor told me uh, when I first got diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, he said, what is a young 40 year old doing having an old lady's disease? So it was like, you know, it didn't make sense on paper and none of it, none of my story, uh, the scans, everything makes sense. But but, like you said, but God, and I'm so thankful. I can say honestly, and I know for you too, that I feel like I, I know God, like I know his voice. I hear his voice. 
And one, one thing years ago, I always used to say to myself was, gosh, I, I wish I knew how to pray with power and authority. And I feel like my trials have, have actually, you know, brought that desire to pass because I, I feel like I met the Lord in the fire and, you know, I allowed this trial to pull me deeper into his heart and into knowing him. And, and I, I honestly would not change that for the world because I didn't, I didn't know God, like I know him now. And I, I wouldn't tra trade that for anything. Knowing God is for me is everything. And because I'm a cancer coach, I'm able to gift that to people because when people come to me, they want to know, okay, what are you doing? How have you, oh, you know, how are you doing so well? How are you overcoming? They are going to get a, a lot of what the Lord has given me because that's everything. And um, I feel like a lot of people, either they allow their circumstances to make them bitter or they yeah. allow their circumstances to make them better. And by being better, I feel like it need it needs the the Lord, the presence of God to pull out all of that and bring, you know, understanding and, and life to what is going on. And so, and you're going to have a better outcome yeah. with, with running to the throne. So, wow. Wow. I love that. So did they give you like when you had the surgery or even before, you know, you were even talking surgery, did they give you any, like, I don't know, like you could have some damage here or this could yeah. go wrong or any, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when speaking of brain surgery and the brain, there's always the risk of, you know, motor skills and speech and, you know, well, but when you look at like, okay my life or having some motor skills or, you know, some speech impediments or whatever comes with that, you know, you don't really, you know, Erica, it's just like, just do what you need to do. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. So I remember Dr. Frederick Lang at MD Anderson, he said, you know, because of the part of the brain that it's located in, you'll probably have a, like a potentially a speech impediment, but you know, I'm like, who cares? You know, I don't really care. I just, I just, you know, you, anybody who's gone through, whether it be cancer or tumors or anything like that, you're just like, I just want to live, you know? Right. And so I came out of that surgery. There's so many aspects to it that it was just like a miraculous, there was just so many miraculous things taking place, but came out of it. I mean, I was, reco I recovered very quickly and I know you can relate to this in your journey, just how the spirit of God just brings so much life to our bodies. And people are like, well, I don't know how you're just doing so great. And it's like, it's the spirit of God. Like he brings life to our bones. He yeah. brings life to our bodies. And so I remember experiencing that, but no speech. I mean, I just, my speech has been fine. You know, I never had any issues with that. So it was just another part of that, just a testimony to that, to the hand of God in that season. But, you know, Erica, going through it, you don't really have all those answers. It's like 15 years later, you look back and you're like, wow, God. But when you're going through those moments, like you don't know anything. Mm. You don't know anything other than I remember just like there's been so many seasons of when we're talking about trials where the only thing that I knew is that God is good and that he loves me. Mm. And sometimes that is the only thing that you, you know, I have been in the seat of like, you're going through a season and you hear things that are like on the other end of the breakthrough, 
But when you're in the midst of the fight, like what, what are the things that we hold on to? And, and, and for me, the pillars for me was God is good and he loves me. And Romans 8 and 28 says that he makes all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so I'm like, God, I love you. Mm-hmm. I am called according to your purpose. So I know that this moment, you're going to make this work together in some way, shape or form for my good, good, bad, everything in between. Like you're going to make this work together for my good. Genesis 15 and 20 says, Joseph is saying like, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So I believe that when we carry this revelation in the valleys, for those that are listening, like you're in the valley right now, you're in a place where, yeah, the lights are out. You're not hearing from the Lord, The like that fine tuning, just that frequency to hear the heart of God. Maybe you're not hearing him, but you need something to hold on to. And can I encourage you with this is Genesis 50 and 20, Romans 8 and 28. Let that revelation go down deep into your heart. Let it just be. Let it be the place that you live from. Let it be the proclamation of your heart that, yeah, this is painful right now. And I don't see the way out yet, but I know that my God somehow, some way is going to create a way in the desert. Mm -hmm. He's going to make streams in the desert and he's going to make this work together for my good. And where the enemy came to destroy me and to kill me, I just declare right now that, that God means this for good. And he's going to turn this around. There is something powerful that happens, Erica, and you're a testament to this where we not just like the name it and claim it, because there's a big difference. Like there's a difference of like positive thinking and like, there's like this huge difference where you're actually, where you've gone from believing to knowing, and you're living from a place of revelation of who God is, that you're operating your words your thoughts, like everything is just, you're bringing this thing. Not that we don't have moments. Cause trust me, we have moments where we're like, God, what's even going on right now? Like, I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't taste it. Like I'm like about to have a nervous breakdown. Okay. This, this, these are things that like sometimes, especially in church, people kind of look down on that. We have moments like that, but I'm talking about like reeling it all in and just coming to this place of God. This is what I believe. This is who I know you to be. And this is the revelation that I'm going to live from. You are who you say you are. He is faithful. He is so faithful. He is so faithful to to do what he said he will do and to finish what he started in you, in me, in each of us. And I do believe there's something that happens. It's like the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that just sets a bomb off when we go from believing right up in our head And there's this like bridge that comes into our heart that now we are like, we are this, we, we are, we live from this place. That's what happened to Abraham. That's Mm -hmm. why Abraham was able to go through something so horrific. I mean, I, I read that scripture and there's always something else the Lord shows me, but I go on that journey with Abraham where, okay, Abraham is told like, he's going to have this son and Sarah like has Isaac at this good old age. They had already been through so much with Ishmael and creating some, trying to create something. And now they get Isaac and Isaac, this precious promise is in their arms. And now the Lord's like, go yonder to sacrifice your son. And he delays, he doesn't even delay. And mind you, if you, when you read the scripture, he didn't even go tell Sarah, he goes, I'm sure he didn't tell Sarah because Sarah probably would have had a cow. Okay. Let's just see. He was just like, I'm going to obey. Takes his son up with the logs and the rope 
that he's going to use to to sacrifice his promise. And he gets up to Mount Moriah. He raises the dagger to take the life of the, of his promise. And the Lord, and we know all this, we know the story. The Lord's like, oh, ram in the bush, already been provided, like sacrifice is already provided. What's happening here? Abraham was living from a place of revelation that he knew that God would do what he said he would do. Whether the Lord would resurrect, would resurrect Isaac, like he was living from this place of revelation. And so I just really felt like for those that are listening right now, the Lord just wants to encourage your heart and bring you from this place of believing to knowing, Mm. to knowing that God is who he says he is and anchor your heart from this place of revelation that if God has given you a promise, he will do what he said he will do. And he will work all things together for your good. I believe that's the single most important thing. When we go through trials, we have to have the anchor of the word of God, Erica, Mm. because the winds and the waves are going to come. They're going to crash all around us. And the enemy's single most important scheme and intention in the midst of trials is to take our faith, to take our faith and to take our joy. Why does he want to take our joy? He wants to take our joy because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If he can take our joy, he takes our strength. Mm -hmm. And we need the strength of the Lord to be able to maneuver from season to season. And if you've walked with the Lord long enough, you know that the, the, the peaks and the valleys are all about this walk with Jesus, where we see him on the peaks and we see him in the valleys and we see him in everything in between, but we have to have that anchor that we hold on to. It's just like, God, sometimes I'll hold on and I'll like hug my Bible just in the hardest, darkest seasons, where it's like a picture where I'm just holding Jesus. And I'm like, I'm holding you. And I know you're holding me. Wow. That's so beautiful. So powerful. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. Cause I, I think it's, it's so valuable. So what would you say to, you know, someone who's listening in that has a very new relationship with God, right? And they maybe they're they just got a cancer diagnosis. What would you say to them? Well, number one, I believe that the stand that we take from the very beginning is one of the single most important things that we can do with anything in life. So pertaining to a diagnosis, there doctors have a place in this world. And you know, I have a my mom's sisters all married doctors are a blessing but they are not above the voice of God. And so the very first thing is you can receive any diagnosis, but I believe that the declaration of our mouth, no matter what it is, is I will believe the report of the Lord and know what God has to say about that report. There, there's so many things we could talk about. Goodness, like health wise. Uh, I remember being given this diagnosis of gastroparesis, which when you look up gastroparesis, the very first thing that comes up on Google is that it's incurable. Mm-hmm. And I remember my husband coming to me, my uncle looked at me cause he's a gastroenterologist. He said, listen, you're not going to get healed from this, but you're going to learn how to live with it. And so usually with gastroparesis, the, the kind of the end game is being, you know, having a, a, a feeding tube. And my husband was like, we're not going to receive this. Like, we're not receiving this diagnosis. Like, I don't care what, I, like we, I love my uncle love him. He's just, I love him, but no, we're not receiving this. We're going to receive the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord is that I'm healed. The report of the Lord is that I am going to eat again. Cause I couldn't eat. 
And the report of the Lord is that his word is above gastroparesis. His word is above a brain tumor. His word is above cancer. His word and his love is far high above every disease and every infirmity that exists in this world. Mm -hmm. So that's my encouragement, Erica, to anybody mm -hmm. that has recently received a cancer diagnosis or any, any diagnosis for that manner. Right. What report are you going to believe? Mm -hmm. Because what you believe you're going to walk in. If you, we receive the report of I'm sick, you're going to walk in the direction that you're sick. But if you receive the report that God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to heal my body. I don't know what you're going to do. But I'm like the Hebrew boys. There's a, there's a story of three Hebrew boys in the fire. And they declared, because like they were like, well, you bow down. You're going to bow down to um, slipping my mind right now. But basically the king throws them in this furnace is like, you bow down to me or else. And they're like, we're not bowing down to you. And even if the Lord doesn't bring us out of this, we're not going to bow down to you and, and serve you. And so I believe that in the same way in this world, in a different way, when we get diagnoses of cancer, gastroparesis, tumors, the things that afflict us in this world, there is an attitude that the Lord gives us an opportunity to take that. Number one, I'm not going to believe this report. I'm going to believe the report of heaven. Now, that doesn't mean you run off like I did. I ran off to Bolivia. I'm like, do, 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 nothing exists. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in your spirit going, I'm going to believe what you have to say about me, Jesus. So Jesus, what do you, what does your word say about the situation? And second, not bowing down in that moment, they, that those three Hebrew boys were faced with a, a decision to bow down to this man. And they said, we will not bow down to you. We serve the Lord, our God. And so with us, it may not look like a King, but to us, it looks like the spirit of fear, a spirit of infirmity, the mm. enemy trying to get you to believe that you're going to die and that you're going to live the rest of your life sick and that you're never going to eat and that you're never going to fill in the blank. It's resolving in that moment and going, you know what? I'm not going to receive this and I'm going to live by faith because the scriptures say that the just will live by what their faith, not our pastor's faith or our husband's faith or our sister's faith by their faith. It's our own faith. Mm. So God, I believe you. I believe you and living from that place. And you know, here's the thing. I remember being that person of like, yeah, faith, hocus pocus. But I tell you that when I met the Lord and he revealed himself to me and he began to reveal his heart and his word for me faith began to rise up just a little bit of faith that it doesn't take a lot I, I almost can feel like people are like well I don't have that kind of faith you don't need a lot in fact Jesus said faith the size of a mustard seed and you can you can speak to the mountain and mm -hmm. it would be cast into the sea yes so maybe some of you right now are listening to this and you're like I don't have that like I can barely even get through the day right now because it's the diagnosis, the attacks against my life and against my mind are so great. Mm. I'm going to pray right now that God gives you that. Remember mustard seed is so little. God used that analogy because it's so tiny, 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 tiny. So if that's all just God, you can just say this right now, God, I don't have a lot. I don't, I don't even have a lot of faith for those of you that maybe feel that way, but God, we just thank you. That's just a little bit, even just a little opening of your heart to say, God, I need you. That's a mustard seed. Mm. So father, right now, I just pray that you would impart mm. 
that mountain moving faith into your children right now. God, you didn't say that you would get off your throne and come down here and speak to the mountain for us. You said that we would speak to the mountain. Mm-hmm. So God, right now for anybody that is facing a diagnosis that has rocked their life and rocked their faith. God, I just pray that a roaring you, Lord, the line of the tribe of Judah, I just pray you would roar over their situation. And I pray right now, God, that we just we just speak to this mountain of adversity standing in front of them. We speak to the cancer right now in the name of Jesus. And we, we just ask, Lord, let it be cast into the sea. We ask, Father, that you would astound doctors through testimonies that would bring glory to your name. We pray that you would heal bodies from the inside out, God, that every fiber, every cell, every ligament and tissue and bone and organ in their body would come into a complete alignment with your word. And God, we we thank you right now for the opportunity to go deep into the chambers of your heart, to know you as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And I just thank you for what you're going to do today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Mm, amen. Amen. So, so good. Oh, I could just talk so forever with you. We have so much to talk about. We do. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I have, I'm, I'm would love just to really quickly talk about prayer and the key role it plays with any sort of a diagnosis and, and just even the quality of our life is, is really from how our prayer life, you know, how our, our prayer life even exists. And so let's just talk about prayer. Yes. Yeah. When I came to the Lord, I I shared with you, I I got saved with a group of intercessors that had given their lives to prayer. They had given their lives to be in communion with the Lord Jesus. And so I didn't know anything different. And like I shared with you, I I didn't go, you know, I hadn't gone to church. I didn't really feel I hadn't gone to church yet. So I just knew this is like the life that we live when we walk with Jesus is a life of prayer, which is communion with him. Does it look like sometimes closing your closet door and going in and getting on your face and speaking with him and seeing him? Sometimes it looks that way. Other times it looks like driving in your car and you're putting a worship song on and you're just connecting your heart with him. The reality of it is, is that Psalm 91 talks about the secret place. The secret place is, is the presence of the Lord. It's a place where we're, we're hidden in him. And we can take the secret place anywhere we are, Erica. And I I love to really kind of demystify this whole thing with like prayer, that it's just like certain people that pray or, you know, I don't pray for five hours like he does. And so I'm not really an intercessor or a prayer warrior or whatever. There is nowhere in scripture. I haven't found anywhere in scripture where there's an office of an intercessor. But in first Thessalonians, uh, the scriptures, Paul tells us that we're to pray without ceasing. In other words, we're to commune with the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit at all times without ceasing. Mm-hmm. So maybe somebody is just like, whether they've been walking with the Lord for 50 years or they just started their journey with him yesterday, my encouragement would be to involve the Lord Jesus in every aspect and area of your life. Mm-hmm. To, you know, you kind of, and you would understand this, Erica, we're always looking for the Lord. We're always looking for him. You know, whether you're on the job, health coaching, or you're at the beach with your husband, or you're taking care of the kids, or you're always looking for him in the midst of anything that we do. 
And so I think cultivating a life of prayer first begins with cultivating a place where you're always looking for him because the scriptures tell us that when he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Mm. And what is the reward? I believe the reward is our, his presence. Yes. Like, I don't think it's like this thing of like, oh, I'm going to seek God. and I'm going to get this like blank check in the mail. It has nothing to do with that. Although he does do amazing things like that. The Lord loves to lavish on us and bless us. And, and he's, he's a good father. But when he talks about him being a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, he speaks of the reward of his presence. Mm-hmm. That when we seek him, we'll find him. And when we find him, we share communion with him. And there's an open dialogue of conversation where you are continuously in this never ending conversation with him. The moment you open up your eyes, isn't that it? Because the Lord even speaks to us while we sleep. Our, our spirits are constantly communing with him. So here's what I encourage people. Just begin to involve Jesus into every aspect of your life where you invite him. Benny Hinn wrote this book a long time ago called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of books. There. There's also, uh, for those readers out there, uh, there's Dutch Sheets wrote a book called The Pleasure of His Company. And if you want to grow deeper in your prayer life, I feel like there are, there are books, of course, aside from the Bible, where you can just really learn, you know, what does that look like to live this intimate relationship with the Lord? Prayer is not prayer unless we have intimacy with him, to know him. And, and Jesus made that analogy when he talked about like, you know, when you do not be as the hypocrites and the Pharisees where, you know, you you know, sound the cymbals and blow the trumpet so that everybody can see you go into your room and close the door and your father who is in secret will reward you and open. And so it's the secret communion and the intimacy with him. It, by definition, that is what prayer is. Jesus, I, I find it really, I find it very uh, powerful that the disciples spent Three years on earth with Jesus, they saw him perform miracles. They saw him prophesy. The Bible says that there aren't even enough books that the world could contain of the miracles that he performed. Like that to me is like, whoa, like I, I can't even imagine when we have so many records of what he did in the gospels. And yet they didn't ask him to teach them how to prophesy or teach them how to heal or teach them how to preach or teach or be good husbands. Like they asked him one thing recorded in scripture. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. There's something about the three years that they spent with him, that what they wanted to grab, to take hold of was his prayer life. They wanted to take hold of his prayer life because they saw that everything else that they had received a glimpse of in his life, the miracles, the demonized being delivered, all of it was they they realized that it all came from his time away with the father mm. that was at the center of it and that's truly why i believe that they that they didn't ask him anything else but teach us to pray we want to know how you commune with the father because we want to do that as well and so the lord says he opens it up with he says our father in heaven hallowed be your name so he opens it up with this it's all about you mm. we magnify and glorify your name yeah your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, all the lists that we have, we're just going to rip them up and throw them out the window mm. because it's not about our lists with the Lord. God takes really good care of our lists. We know he's, he's really good at that. But what I've found is that the Lord wants us yeah. 
And, and there's nothing wrong with coming with lists, but what he wants is he wants, he wants us to sit in his presence. He wants to spend time with us. Mm. He wants us to know him because at the end of the day, you know, when I came to the Lord, I, I knew that there was something that the Lord had given me to be able to release, to impart what I had received from him and from these people that I had met to teach others to pray. And sometimes you have to watch other people love God to learn how to love him yourself. And that's what happened with me. It was like, I want to learn how to love him. And I learned how to love him by communing with him. Mm. But I learned how to love him by receiving his love first. Mm. And so, so many things I can say about that. But, you know, that that can be if for somebody that just wants to grow in their prayer life. Do as the disciples did. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to commune with you. Teach us to teach us to be with you and sit with you and not, we just have to throw our agendas out the window, Erica. Mm -hmm. And just, God, I'm just here to be with you. Like, this is what we're going to be as believers, followers of Jesus. We're going to be doing this for all of eternity. We're getting ready for what's coming like forever with him. And I, I'm sure you've heard this before, but like, this is the only time in all of eternity where we're going to get to spend time with him through trials and worship him through trials. There isn't going to be any of this in the life to come, but we have this privilege and opportunity to worship him through the tears and through the pain and through the diagnoses and through the, all the chaos that's going on around us. We have this opportunity and invitation to worship him now because we're not going to have that on the other side of heaven. Wow. That is profound. And so is the statement about the disciples praying and oh my goodness when i when i think about that it's like going back to that statement the disciples must have almost like been jealous for the intimacy that they could like see on on jesus that he had that that relationship through prayer with with the father and that's probably what they wanted most so i love that you you said that that's that's deep my gosh, I could speak on prayer, you know, know. myself too. All day. All day. I, well, it's, I mean, I think as, as Christians, it, it is the very foundation of just our life with the Lord. And I know without prayer and of course in prayer is, you know, worshiping him. That's literally where I personally learned, you know, how to slay my giants is through prayer and worship. And I know you too. And so without that, I don't, I don't think that well, I know that I wouldn't be as strong as I am today. So we're actually out of time, but I really quickly want to talk about your book. So Christina Baker, you guys have to follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is it's Christina Baker and that's I-T-S-C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-B-A-K-E-R. So there's no H in it's Christina Baker. And gosh, I think on TikTok, you have what over a million followers, I think. Leave so, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. And the thing is, uh, you know, for the sake of time, we won't go into all of that. But Christina is she. You never sought after any of this. You just the Lord told you. Well, you you can share that real quickly about what happened in COVID, and because it's it's really um, how we met is through your obedience. So, yeah, the Lord uh, gave me a dream. Uh, and I won't go to all the, through all the details of the dream, but my husband and I, when we process it, we knew that the Lord was calling me to jump on social media, which I was never a social media person to begin with. Like 
I would get on social media like very sparingly, you know. So I knew it was like, okay, the Lord is asking me to get on and just in the middle of the night, actually on Good Friday, it was, I believe it was April 11th, 2020. I sitting in the corner of my room at one o'clock in the morning and I just prayed a prayer out of Joshua one and nine and woke up the next morning and the video had gone viral. And I was like, okay, you know, videos go viral all the time, but we just, you know, there's sometimes like one-offs, you know, you get a video, it goes viral. So we didn't think anything of it, but there was a grace to continue posting more videos. And it was like one video after the other just continued going viral. And then probably a few months into it, we were, my husband and I were like, okay, wait, I think something's going on here. I think the Lord is breathing on this. And so been doing that for the last three and a half years, almost three and a half years. And that's how you and I met. So yeah. that's how, that's how I got on TikTok because <laughs> the Lord had need. <laughs> oh my goodness. As he does with all of us. Right. Oh, I love it. I, well, I'm so thankful that you obeyed the voice of the Lord because gosh, I, I mean, really there, I don't see any other way of how you and I would have even met. No, we wouldn't have. Unless I would have, you know, heard about your amazing book that you wrote. Talk to us about that real quickly. Yeah. So, you know, after I started posting the prayers, uh, people reaching out, asking what the story was behind it. I was, I would share like little testimonies, different parts of my life, getting arrested, you know, all the things I shared uh, with you today, but I always knew that I would write a book. I, I, I always knew it was in there and I knew it was the time to be able to put something in people's hands longer than 60 seconds on TikTok and just share the darkest moments of my life where the Lord Jesus was like the hero of hope where he just came in where the curtains were about to close. Not once, not twice, but just time after time. I went literally, my, my life was just from crisis to crisis, just out of the womb, just going from one crisis to the other. And so I just share those stories and just really raw and unfiltered, uncut. And my, my prayer writing the book was that whoever would read it would also have the same faith to believe that what God did for me, then he would do for them as well. Mm. And that faith would rise in them as they, as they read the, the words on the pages. And so, so that's a hope in 60 seconds, encountering the God of the impossible. So I just put 10 stories in there of, you know, going to jail, getting off drugs, the brain tumor and living on, you know, just things I shared today and so many other things. Oh death and trauma and just all the things that, that uh, the Lord brought me through. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, it's so, amazing. yes, it's an amazing book. And so if, I mean, regardless of where your situation is, everyone should read this book because it's, I just love like how vulnerable you are in, in it, but also just the massive hope that arises because you share about uh, impossible situations and how the Lord has stepped in and just how such an over overcomer you are. You are such an overcomer, Christina. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. Well, if there is, well, you are as well, Erica. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Just by the grace of God. Is there any wisdom that you, you want to give our listeners before we end our episode? Well, I just kind of have this sense that there are people listening that uh, I just had this picture of a boat and some of you are just asking the Lord what's next for me. And and I just see the hand of the Lord just extending himself to you to step out of the boat and trust him. Even if it's scary, even if it's like, I just 
don't think I can do this. I don't, I don't think I can even handle. I just see the Lord Jesus just extending his hand to you to trust him with the impossible and knowing that he's going to catch you. That's what happened with Peter. Peter, Peter was the only one, though he started to sink because he got his eyes off of the Lord. He still was the only one that got out. And so my prayer is that for those of you that are listening, God's kind of tugging, been listening to this and there's been like this tugging where the Lord has been like, I want you to trust me. My prayer for you would be that no matter how dark, no matter how loud the thunder and how crazy the lightning is around you right now, that you would just trust him, trust him to get out, step out on the water and know that he's going to, he's going to catch you and he's going to take care of you and to keep your eyes fixed on him because it's when we lose his gaze, when we lose his gaze, because he he's always gazing at us. So just remember that he's got, Jesus is always gazing at us, but when our gaze moves is when we begin to sink. Mm. So that would be my, just, just what I have on my heart today. Mm. Wow. You're such an encourager, Christina, and just thank you for the gift that you are. You're absolutely amazing. Love you, Erica. Love you too. Love you so much. Oh, well, thank you for being a guest on the show. I can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. My prayer is that the podcast encouraged you and filled you with hope. If you loved what you heard today and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Erica Matthews and join my Hope and Healing for Cancer Facebook group. Remember this, anything worth having takes work. See you next week for a new episode.